Hello, it's 3rd of September 2017, and this is episode 40 of Scavengers Horde of Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis, and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. Um, normally, I would ask Kirsty how her week in Star Wars has been, but since this week in Star Wars has pretty much all been about Force Friday, which we are going to have a separate discussion about, <laughs> I will hold back on that for now, and I'll just quickly get through the business, which is to say, if you haven't already, please do rate and review us on iTunes, because that really helps us out, and thank you very much if you have already done so. And on the second order of business, if you have any questions for the podcast, you can email them to scavengershorde at gmail.com. And with that out of the way, Kirsty, I would like to ask you what your experience of Force Friday was. So yeah, just give like a general overview, like how, whether there were any particular celebrations in your area, what you bought and so on and so forth. Um... (laughs) There was a celebration event at Target uh, near where I live at mm-hmm. midnight, but I ended up not going <laughs> because oh, I couldn't f- I couldn't find anyone who was obsessed enough with Star Wars to go with me. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> I was sat at home watching TV and I was like, I could go up there, but I was already feeling kind of tired. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to wait until the morning. And there was plenty of stuff still on the shelves. So yeah. I was a bit worried about it, but... I don't know, I didn't have any trouble finding what I wanted. And, and you know, there'll be plenty of more opportunities in the next few weeks to to buy stuff. And well, you'll get the second wave of the toys soon and everything. So um, I felt like I got a pretty good haul. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the Page and Rose 3.75-inch figures. Nice. Um, which I was... I was really excited to get those because I'm really excited to see those characters in the movie. Um, it's just cute to have like these sisters together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was kind of looking at the Black Series ones, but I wasn't too impressed with them. Yeah, I felt I'm like really that. iffy with the quality of those. Like I have a few from The Force Awakens, um, but I'm, I can't decide if I'm going to end up getting any of the ones for um, The Last Jedi. There's going to be a, an undercover Finn um, in the second wave, I think, which I'm kind of thinking about. But I know that you got some of the Elite Series figures, and I think these just look a bit better. So I might go and look at those, although there's not a Disney store near me, so I'll have to figure out where else to get them from. Yeah. Um, other than that, I got a Porg. Lovely. <laughs> that was, like, the top of my list. I had to have a Porg. Yes. Um, and then I just got, like, a couple of T-shirts and a sweater that I'd had my eye on for a while since I'd seen that come out, so... Yeah, I was pretty happy with my haul. Um, nice. What about you? Um, yeah, so I actually had quite a interesting experience of Force Friday because I went to a midnight launch event at the Disney Store in London. And for that, I was actually joined by a Scavengers Horde listener, Amanda. So thank you very much, Amanda, for coming along. It was really lovely to meet you. And yeah, it was great to have like a fellow Star Wars buddy to freak out over everything with. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah it was just so funny so it's like probably the most british force friday event ever what do you mean (laughs) i'll explain don't worry (laughs) so basically they didn't want us to queue for hours and they dispersed anyone who came up early trying to queue so Mm. in the end the queue only formed like 10 minutes before midnight and so we all got in line and queued um 
And then at midnight, basically, there had been all these sheets over the windows hiding like what was inside the store so that we it was going to be a surprise. Uh, and then at midnight, they pulled down the sheets and inside all the staff and like some people dressed as the characters, there's like a Ray and a Free PO and troopers and stuff. They all started clapping us as we walked in. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like so like oh god curling in on themselves like from embarrassment and shyness that is so cute (laughs) it was really cute it was lovely it was like a really really nice gesture so it was all about making us feel special and stuff but i just like wanted to curl up in a little ball and be like don't notice me don't notice me don't notice me i'll just be here browsing in the corner (laughs) (laughs) yes um so yeah like i was a bit taken aback because I know it sounds ironic and like I'm probably bullshitting because I have a freaking podcast where I talk every week for several hours about Star Wars, but I really don't like being in the spotlight. I don't like being the centre of attention. It really unnerves me. Um, mm. So yeah, that kind of experience it like triggered all my like f- recoil instincts. But yeah, no. Despite that, it was really really fun, and I'm really glad I went and I had a great time. Um, I picked up the Elite Series Rain Kylo. Um, they look really great. The expressions on their faces are—they are. They're really they just nice captured figures. their likeness. Yeah. Yeah, they're really nice, especially Ray. And Ray, she looks so much better in person that figure than she does like in the photo I saw, like where they were saying, "Here are the Elite Series figures." In mm. the f- photos that I first saw, I was like, mm, "It's not a great looking figure, to be honest." But in person, she looks really good, and it's a much better likeness for Daisy than the Black Series. Yeah. So I'm. I'm thinking about ordering them, but I'm wary of getting them online because how much does the quality vary from figure to figure? Because in the Black Series, you really have to see them in person because some of them just look awful. Yeah, I'd say there's definitely variation in quality Mm. between the figures, but I wouldn't say it's wild variation. Like It's more just like slight subtle differences. Some of them will have better paint jobs than others. Yeah. Yeah, you should be able to order direct from the Disney store, I think. Yeah, I was looking at them. I, I just think those figures are great, and I haven't had Elite Series before, so might yeah. treat myself. Yeah, they are really nice. The, the only downside for the Elite Series is I do find they're sometimes difficult. It's sometimes difficult to make them stand up. Mm. So if you're going to take them out of the box, if they're in the box, then obviously it's a moot point. But if you're going to take them out of the box, you kind of really do need to keep them on the stand they come with. Right. Like, without the stand, they have a tendency to like fall over into each other and clobber each other to the floor. <laughs> yeah, I take everything out of the box. I'm not a collector. Yeah, type. no, same. Like, I find it a bit sad to keep a toy in a box. Really, it reminds me of like Stinky Pete in Toy Story. <laughs> I totally get why some people do it because if you if you are a collector, so you buy all of the figures, you want them to retain their value, right? Yeah. Um, whereas I take them out and enjoy them. So. Yeah. Yeah, but if they're if they're gonna have trouble standing. Hmm. I don't know, I'll have to think about it a bit more. Yeah, like I say, it should be fine because they stand fine with the stands and the stands are cool and it's good to keep them on the stands anyway. So, yeah. Like, of all the figures, I think they're my favourites, definitely. Awesome. But yeah, other than that, like, I'd pre-ordered the books, um, the Leia and Phasma books, so I didn't get those until the afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of a bummer because I was at Target and I was like, oh, look, they're here right now. I oh, could no. just buy them and then return <laughs> them later or something. Oh, God. So I had to wait. I had to wait hours to get them. And by the time they arrived in the mail, I was like ripping the package open and starting to play <laughs> straight away. I was like, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the secrets, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I actually had an interesting story of the books because, as it turned out, irritatingly, the Leia book doesn't get released for a few days here in the UK, um, mm. which is a real bummer. I have no idea why, because the Phasma book is ready. So it's like, what's the problem? Why? What's the holdup? Um, yeah. But yeah, I was able to get the Phasma book at least. But yeah, there's no like awareness at all of Force Friday in the bookshops here. None whatsoever. Like, I went to the big big waterstones in piccadilly which is like the largest waterstones in the entire country and like i said um they've launched all the new styles merchandise there's lots of like books that come in out as part of this do you know anything about it and the guy who who's like quite a professional experienced looking dude he's like i have no idea what that is <laughs> i was like oh okay and yeah. yeah the only book i've been able to find here at all is phasma which is a bit oh they don't even have the star wars made easy book nope Nothing. No, actually, that's a lie. I did see the um, Star Wars 2018 annual, which like does have a few like posters in it from the Last Jedi, but there's nothing substantive. It's Mm -hmm. like mostly Rogue One stuff, and it's like eh, not worth eight pounds. (laughs) So, do you know what day the Leia book comes out? Um, I think they said the seventh. Okay, so Thursday then. So I guess by that point you'll have finished Phasma and be ready to read a new one. So. That's the plan. <laughs> I'm quite a slow reader, though, so we all see. Yeah, it's taken me a while to get through Leia as well. Like, I've had a kind of busy few days, so I keep having to put it down, but I really don't want to because I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. And I feel like I would have finished it by now had I not had actual obligations. Curse <laughs> Damn real you, real life. life getting in the way. <laughs> oh, God. I love this is what it comes to with us. It's great. Um, oh, yeah, and... Like, while I love my Elite Series figures, perhaps my favourite thing from Force Friday is an amazing bag (laughs) for The Last Jedi. So I took my figures to the counter and, like, at the counter, the girl said, would you like a bag? And it was this beautiful, beautiful bag with, like, Rey Mm. and the Resistance dudes on one side and then Kylo and some other randoms on the other side. And... (laughs) It's just such a beautiful bag. <laughs> yeah, it. I've seen pictures of that. That's really nice. Did you also get the um, the teaser posters with the characters? Because they're, got... they're, they're giving those away in the Disney store here. I think they were on Friday anyway. Uh, yeah, I got the Rain Kylo ones. Okay, cool. Like, I think they probably had more, but I wanted to prioritise. I was in a bit of a hurry because it was so late and I still wanted to catch the train home. And if I didn't hurry, then I wouldn't have been able to catch the last train. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to catch the bus, not in London. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd have liked to get those posters, but I don't have a Disney store around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still really want a pork. I haven't seen like the kind of pork that I'd want to buy yet. Like What I want is like a small, cuddly one. And at mm. the Disney store, they had some really cool pork stuff, but it was like a pork mug. Right. It's like, I can't cuddle a pork mug. It was still very cute, but I can't cuddle that. And yeah, so I need to work on that. Yeah, I've seen a few various sizes here and they have those ones that are a bit more expensive. I think they're like $40 and they they flap their wings and move around and squawk. But I don't know. I, I didn't bother going for one of those. I just got a plushie. Yeah. Did you see the um like five foot porks they were like doing yes. giving away via like a lottery at Force Friday events? That was amazing. Yeah. So that was one of the things where I was like, maybe I should go up there for midnight. But it's the kind of thing that'd be like awesome to win, but then there'd be nowhere for me to put it, and I just feel ridiculous. <laughs> I wonder if they're being sold on eBay now. 
Oh my god, yeah. Like that will that is the kind of thing that will become like a hardcore collector's item because mm. there must be such a limited number of those. Yeah, but definitely. It's so cool. Yeah, I saw a few people on Twitter winning them and they seemed very happy, so yeah. good for them. <laughs> I know I would be. <laughs> um Right. I guess the next thing to talk about is like what we deem to be the most like interesting, exciting things to come out from Force Friday. Um, like before we get into like the scripted programming for stuff that came out, is there anything that particularly struck you, Kirsty, that was that made you go like, "Ooh, I like that," or that surprised me, or that took got my attention? Um, I'm really focused on the books right now, I suppose. Yeah, I'm. I've always been more of a book than a merchandise kind of Star Wars fan. Yeah, um, sure. So the toys are fun, but they're more like icing on the cake for me. Whereas I know for lots of people. Like they're really into all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Like I, I'm really enjoying Leia. We'll probably talk about it a bit more later. Yeah, definitely. Although I don't want to be too spoilery because I, I'm not even finished yet. So I, you know, can't analyze it properly. And then other people probably haven't even started it yet. So I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Yeah. Um, I'm just really loving it, and I'm excited to read Phasma as well. Yeah. So about you. Um. Yeah. Like I, oh, we're gonna have a separate discussion about the books later. But you're right in that they're definitely at the top of my interest league shall we say um but yeah one of the things that surprised me was how cool the t-shirt designs were i know that's yeah. like such a petty thing but like it seems oh, it's like not. we've got lots of new images and motifs of the characters and stuff through the t-shirts yeah. than we did anywhere else yeah which i, I appreciate you um in target they have some of the fifth sun designs there mm. um i actually i picked up one that's like a like a baseball kind of tee. I don't, I don't know what you call them, but um, it has the Ray pose from the teaser poster with the, you know, pointing up with the saber. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> I bought a large and it is so tiny. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to have to take it back and I'm just going to have to pick something else. But it's going to be hard to choose because, like you say, there were so many cool new designs. And it's just really cool to see T-shirts with all of the new characters on them. Like I got a sweater with Rose on it. Oh, Which makes nice. me really happy, you know? Yeah, um, that is really cool. Yeah, but there, but you're right that there were cool new shots of the characters that we hadn't seen before that are just kind of appearing on t-shirts now. It's almost like this casual, like, oh yeah, here's Kylo Ren about his mascot. You know, like, it's just kind of interesting to see them come out that way yeah. as opposed to just, just photos. Yeah, definitely. Like, my favourite image is, like, the one... It's really corny. It's the one of Kylo Ren holding his own helmet like literally like Laurence Olivier in Hamlet <laughs> yeah they're very on the nose with them it's so on the nose but I just adore it um and yeah just seeing unmasked Kylo everywhere all over the merchandise it just it gives me a little bit of joy in my heart it's very nice unexpected in the best way <laughs> um right then I guess the like first item to really sink our teeth into a big way is that we actually have new dialogue from the last jedi via various toys so most of this dialogue is from the force link which is basically like a gimmick they're doing with the 3.5 inch figures where you buy this like handset almost and you like, strap it onto your wrist and then when you interact with the toys they say things like lines from the film um Obviously, this comes with a huge caveat in that there is a big, big probability that quite a few of these lines won't make it into the final version of the film. 
but they are interesting and worth talking about because they're evidently from the script for The Last Jedi because I've cross-referenced and everything and if I've included a line in this list, it's because it wasn't in the script for The Force Awakens. Mm. So that means it's new or, or at least we don't know where it came from. It's like a mystery rogue line. <laughs> um, so yeah, like it should be interesting to go through these things. It's all going to be heavily speculative and it's very much like feeling around in the dark because we know so little about this film. Um, but yeah, I would say mild spoilers. Like, if you're like, even vaguely aware of the rumours that have been going around, I don't think anything we'll say will surprise you. And I don't think it's worth putting up a proper spoiler warning. But I just wanted to say, in case you're a bit squeamish, so that you can maybe skip ahead. Um, but yeah, like, I know you're very like cautious about these things, aren't you, Kirsty? Like, probably because of how it was with the t- lines in the Force Awakens toys. Yeah, like it, it's fun to go through them and see what they're saying, but I think they're almost getting too wise to it now, and like some of them are so vague. Um, yes, and I feel like a lot of it comes down to like your own confirmation bias when you're reading the lines and you already have like an a, an idea of where the story's going to go. You think, oh, they must be saying that to that person, and this is what's happening. It just kind of it's it's fun to speculate, like you say, but I feel like I've been burned so many times as a Star Wars fan with the whole like I rebel thing (laughs) yes um yeah there's just a lot of stuff that is moving around because they have to get such a jump start with the merchandise right so it's like before the film's been finalized and everything so yeah you know basically there's no guarantees with lines from toys so yeah take everything for a pinch of salt yeah and i think ryan was tweeting about how they've been very careful with the toys and merchandise in general to just not actually spoil anything about the story with them yeah which which is great um but it just means like we're not going to be able to glean any massive plot points from it yeah mm. so. which is as it should be <laughs> yeah um right to start off with we have some lines from ray so what i'll probably do Kirsty, is probably read the line and then we can say if we think it means anything and whether it's worth talking about at all <laughs> so, so there will be lines where it will be like that obviously especially when it's just someone like saying back me up (laughs) um but yeah ray's first line i feel the force so yeah very vague (laughs) yeah it kind of sounds like what she was talking about in the teaser right yes you know what can she reach out and see and feel yeah exactly so i think it just ties into that whole idea of becoming more attuned to the force and sensing it all around as it should be um then things get more interesting with you're going to pay for what you did. Um, I think the obvious candidate for who she would be saying this to is Kylo. Yeah. Because obviously he killed his dad. (laughs) That is a big thing to have to pay for. (laughs) Yeah, and it ties in with what Daisy was saying in Entertainment Weekly, right? About how Ray can't understand him and, you know, she didn't have a family of her own, so how could he do this? And she's... Yeah, she's angry with him, so... Yeah, it's like the worst possible crime someone could commit in her view. Yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, that has the potential to be from like a very heated, intense moment. Um, Then the next line is, I'm not leaving without you. Does that say anything to you, Kirsty? Um, I guess it sounds like it would be from some kind of climax, right? Like it's going to be towards the end of the film or something like that because that sounds like a pretty pivotal moment. I like was, actually... think... oh, I was thinking it might actually be right from the very start of the film because 
down below we have Luke Skywalker saying leave this place and then if Ray says I'm not leaving without you that's a, that's an exchange that would make a lot of sense at the very start of the film so oh, no, okay. Luke so doesn't about... receive her well and he's like leave and she says I'm not leaving without you presumably because Leia sent me to get you so I, I have to get you back hmm. yeah I suppose anything's possible yeah but you're right, it could be something from the climax. Well, so when I first read it, I was thinking, oh, this kind of sounds like it would be a variant of the end, like of the Force Awakens, where she's like not, she's, you know, doesn't want to leave Finn mm. on Starkiller Base, but I don't know. It, to me, it sounds like the kind of line that could end up just not being a factor. It's like just part yeah. of a general characterization thing, but who knows? <laughs> So much of that is going to be this. We're sorry in advance. You will release me. That could be anything. <laughs> yeah. So again, this reminded me of The Force Awakens where she's trying to get the stormtroopers to release her. So I know yeah. it's not exact, It's not the exact line, but it just struck me as that kind of point where they could use something kind of from The Force Awakens that they're not spoiling things. Yeah. Uh, unless she does get captured again, which I suppose is totally possible. Yeah. What I'd really like is to actually be able to hear these lines for myself because I think hearing how they're delivered makes a big difference in terms of the context that they might occur in. Yeah. Um, because um, basically how these lines came about is on my Tumblr page. I put up like a call for help, like asking people who had the Force Link tool to like transcribe the lines from the toys. Mm. And so some posters there very kindly did so. Um, but yeah, obviously I haven't been able to listen to the characters saying these things in my own ears for the most part. Yeah, I wonder um, if people will start uploading videos of them. Yeah, like I have had some of these lines because a few of these lines I transcribed myself from like Let's Play videos and stuff, like where people are reviewing the toys. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was literally only a few odd lines. Um, and then finally, get out of here. So yeah, could be absolutely anything. Yeah. Like, obviously, I'm not committing to anything, but that line could be to Kylo, telling him to leave the island if he turns mm. up and he's an unwelcome guest. But it could also be, like, a protective thing, like she's in a dangerous situation and someone's come to help her, and she's like, no, get out of here, save yourself, that kind of thing. So Yeah, again, like, that's the kind of thing you probably depends on the tone, right? So. Exactly. So we need video, really. Um, right, then we move on to Kylo. And these two lines, I'm just going to say them together, they're both lines that he says when he's like being used with the TIE silencer. So they're appropriate for that. Get my ship ready, follow my lead. Um, so yeah, those are both clearly flying related. <laughs> mm. it, follow my lead kind of has an Anakin vibe to it, which I like. It does. And it's interesting to think of Kylo as like leading men. Because yeah. you don't imagine him doing that in The Force Awakens. He's so much a lone agent. Like It'll be interesting to see him giving orders and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then Unmasked Kylo. He says, I feel the power of the Force. And that's an interesting line. I think especially in when you look, think of it alongside the line from Rey, I feel the Force. So... Whatever's going on, they're clearly both in tune with the Force mm -hmm. in some way. Whether they're doing that together or with their own masters or whatever, like we don't know. But it's interesting. And again, the focus on their connecting with the Force rather than the light side or the dark side is interesting. What do you think? Yeah, like it's 
again, it's like mirroring, right? That they're both interacting with this thing that they're both incredibly powerful with. Um, I guess it could correspond with his training with Snoke or something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Exactly. Um, and then, again, another interesting line, you will bring Luke Skywalker to me. I always think that kind of thing sounds so strange because he does have this disassociating thing where he calls like Han Solo Han Solo as opposed to father. Yeah. But it's just so weird. It's like, that's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Skywalker. I guess it's, again, it's like an Anakin Vader thing, right? Where it's like, he's not ready to call him his son yet or... Yeah. So interesting. I'd love to see Luke say, it's Uncle Luke, young man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you forget it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, like in terms of when and how this could be happening, we've obviously heard rumours that Kylo turns up on the island of his dudes and that they then separate. So Kylo goes off to take on Ray, and the dudes go off to take on Luke. And if that does happen, then that could be at the point when they're separating and he's like, to his men, you will bring Luke Skywalker to me. So that's their job. They have to subdue Luke and bring him back. Mm -hmm. Um, Presumably they'd fail, but (laughs) that might be the plan. Um, And then we have a whole new host of lines. And these are from like an interactive Kylo Ren figure. I actually saw this in the shop. I was so tempted to buy it. <laughs> and I, might have I didn't to. like the actual figure though. I felt like the face was badly done. Yeah, yeah, well that's what was holding me back. If it had been a nice sculpt, if it had been a good looking figure, then I probably would have bought it without like protest. But I just resent it because it's a pretty ugly looking figure. I'm only really interested in it for the like dialogue and stuff. Mm. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting a lot of that from other people's videos and stuff, so I don't think I need to buy it. Um, but yeah, more interesting lines. So we have, we're done here. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? That sounds almost like he's interacting with Hux and then dismissing him or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that would make sense. Like they're discussing something related to a mission and then it's like, all right, we're done. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's very abrupt with characters like that. But Yeah. Or I guess it could be from the early in the films. So we know Kylo like, attacks Dakar. So maybe they go to the car, they get what they need, i.e. the map, and then he's like, we're done here. We've yeah, got what we needed. Yeah. Um, and then we have a nice flashback to Anakin Skywalker, Grandpa, in You Underestimate My Powers, which I think is literally a line that Anakin says in Revenge It of is. I'm so interested to see if this is an actual Kylo line or if they just put it in there to be kind of funny and, and mirror him, because can they be that? referential with the dialogue <laughs> in the movie to have him literally <laughs> quoting the grandfather that he aspires to be I think I'd accept it as long as it was only one line mm. it would have to be so so limited like otherwise it becomes a bit of a joke if he's just like taking all of Anakin's lines it's like exactly. Kylo where did you even find the Anakin Skywalker script book in universe <laughs> yeah silly it's dumb um and then the next is like a very monumental no um i can't possibly reenact it but like in the actual figure it's a very very striking no it's like an anguished no he did that in the force awakens when ray escaped he did but i included it here for the last jedi lines because it's such a different line reading Mm. like 
and I really just think it's too different to be from that scene. I could be oh, wrong. Okay. Um, I haven't but... I haven't heard it, so I'm not sure about the difference. Yeah, I'll send you the video later so you can see what you think. But a friend bought this figure and was telling me that if you drop it, he like reacts as like <laughs> ah, <laughs> which sounds hilarious. Oh crap! I might need to buy it. <laughs> that is amazing. I know he. I know like when you put the helmet on him, there's like a sound effect. <laughs> What what like it's like the sound of it when he's unmasking in the film. Like there's a t- two separate sounds. There's an unmasking sound and there's a masking sound. <laughs> so it knows what you're doing. It's a bit creepy. Um, then I've been waiting for you again. So many possibilities. <laughs> Have you heard this one? Do you know the tone? Um. Oh God, I did hear it, but I can't remember exactly how it's spoken. Uh. I'll have to dig the video out. I'll send it to you. No, it's actually linked in the hyperlink, but um, we'll have to watch it later um, because, yeah, podcasting and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't sound like angry or like abrupt if it, as I would expect it to if he were talking to Hux or something, as mm. far as I recall. Um, but yeah, I need to listen again. Mm. Um, and then I can feel the power flowing through me. God, some of these are so cheesy. I know Star Wars is cheesy, but yeah, th- in isolation, like... I'm like, oh, is that really going to be a line in the movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is like real tease ball. It's quite funny. <laughs> it's like, I hope you justify these, Ryan. I truly hope you justify them. Um, yeah, if he says that to anyone, I'd imagine it would be Snoke. Yeah. It's like, oh, Master, you're so good. You really feel the power flowing through me. But it could be anyone. I feel like I'm saying that all the time. I probably need to stop because I think everyone knows that's the case now. <laughs> um, right, then to move on from Kylo, we have Resistance Pilot Tally. He was a lady pilot, which we're always happy about. And her lines, reporting in squadron leader, here they come, protect the bombers. Um, so yeah, nothing really interesting. I guess we we knew like bombers were part of the plot, didn't we already, Kirsty? Yeah, because, um, well, you can see that from the teaser and D23 coverage, right? Yeah, exactly. So we know the bombers have to be protected. So Of, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the bombers are sacred. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Then with Luke, we have some vanilla lines. Trust your instincts and may the force be with you. Like, I really don't think there's much we can say about that. That's like the most typical Luke things that he could ever say. Um, I would still be, I'm going to be happy to hear him say those kind of things though. I mean, the oh yeah. Yeah, that's nice. No, if anyone is going to be saying cornball things, I want to hear Luke say them. <laughs> um, and then he also says, leave this place. I think of all these lines so far, this is one where I can feel reasonably confident in saying he's probably saying that to Ray. Yeah, it kind of fits in with what they've been preparing us for in terms of how Luke is going to react to her being on the island, right? Yes. Exactly. We Get know off she gets my lawn! A... Yeah, we know <laughs> she gets a cold welcome, so yeah, <laughs> that fits with that. Um, and then there's another line. Come, I'll show you the true meaning of the Force. So that sounds very much like about getting deeper into those mysteries of the Force that we keep on being teased with. Mm. Um it'll be interesting to see what that particular lesson looks like um 
And then, intriguingly, he says, stay back. Mm. Mm. I wonder if that's him, like, when he's confronted with, you know, if, if, whether it is the Praetorian Guards or the Knights of Ren. Mm. He's, like, warning them because he's about to kick some serious ass. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. And that would make <laughs> sense. I don't think he'd be saying that to Ray because mm. that sounds like something you'd say, like, when people are preparing to fight you. Yeah, it's threatening, isn't it? So. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's probably either to Kylo's dudes, like say, we don't know who they are, it's so up in the air, or um, Kylo maybe, but yes. Then Paige. Orders received. We have to tackle the First Order head on. My senses are picking up ties. Brace yourself. Um so yeah, there's not really anything to say. I'd love to hear a recording of this though, because we haven't heard Paige speak at all. Mm. So it'd be nice to see what she sounds like. Yeah, it's clear she's going to be heavily involved in the action. So yeah, I expect we're mostly going to see her in a cockpit. Yeah, one would imagine. Um, and then we have a classic Hux line: "We shall destroy the resistance." <laughs> so he, he clearly hasn't grown much as a character. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums him up. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> um, and right then we have some rose lines. Blast them! I can fix anything. You can't give up on the resistance, and we have a mission to complete. Yeah, those sound like she's saying them to Finn. Yeah, those last two especially. So we've yeah, heard that yeah, like, the... Finn is a little bit reluctant, and yeah, she would say those things to him. They've been talking about this kind of idea of Rose initially having some kind of hero worship thing going on with Finn and then maybe as a result of her interactions with him and seeing how uncertain he is about what where he belongs and what he's fighting for she becomes kind of disillusioned and she's like wait a minute there's actually something really important we have to do here you can't give up um I'd really love that turnaround for her as well for like her to take more of a leading role there yeah no that would be a really interesting path so it's a bit boring if it's just a one-way thing where like Rose is there to inspire Finn to remain steadfast in his commitment to the Resistance. Mm. Like, but it's much more interesting if Finn's doubt and lack of certainty start to rub off on Rose and she starts losing her belief. That would be really interesting. Mm. Um, right, then. <laughs> I can't believe Raven included this. <laughs> um, Stormtrooper. Trooper reported for duty. Um, yeah, I feel like that one a... should have had a major spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, it's like I'm warning you guys. They're going to put the siren up and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Poe with Ski Speeder says, "You want to get out alive? Come with me." So that's very much like a "Come with me if you want to live" moment. Mm. Um, but now he's like Sarah Connor. Um, he's going to uh, rescue people. He's a hero. Yeah, very very heroic because of course he is. Um, then Freepio says, "Without the Republic fleet, we're doomed." Um, Didn't he and... say that in the Force Awakens? Um, maybe he did. That. Maybe he did. Hold on. I think he did. I think I checked everything apart from the Freepio line. <laughs> um, doomed. Do, 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 do. Yes, you're right. He did. Sorry, fail, fail, <laughs> fail, fail. Um, yep, so that isn't from The Force Awakens. Damn it. No new 3PO content. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying inside. Um, <laughs> right. 
with the Snoke lines, which I am reasonably confident are all from <laughs> The Last Jedi. <laughs> I am, I think they're a bit more interesting. So buckle your seatbelts, kids. <laughs> I have been expecting you. Um, could be to Kylo. Could be or to Ray. Ray. Could be to Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I would love that too. That'd be a great, like, climactic dialogue piece. Um, the resistance will soon be in our grasp. Meh. Um, very expected. I was probably saying that to Hux. They're probably just boosting each other. It's like, the resistance will be crushed. The resistance will soon be in our grasp. Be able to destroy the resistance. It just goes back and <laughs> forth like that. Um, then, for you, all is lost. I love that line. It's like so extra. Mm. Yeah. I wonder who's saying that to. Yeah. I was wondering if it might be Leia. This is like speculation. It's not based on anything. Because I, I was thinking that of all the characters, Leia has, is probably the person who's lost the most. Yeah. She's definitely. lost her husband. She's, in a manner of speaking, lost her son. She's, she could well have like lost the resistance by this point. She could have like lost hope. and Yeah. So it might be a natural thing to say to her. That's true. But it'd be sad. I don't want Leia Snoke to get his hands on Leia. Um, then your emotions have made you weak. Uh, again, I think ninety-five percent chance that that is to Kylo. To be honest, I feel like that's the most appropriate. Like it could be to someone like Luke or Ray, but it corresponds with what we've seen already from their interactions in like the Force Awakens novelization, like him calling out Kylo on his failures. Hmm. Like recognizing that killing Han didn't make him stronger, yeah, because he felt regret over it. So definitely, it really reminds me of that compassion dialogue from the novelization as well. Yeah, where he's like berating Kylo for having these feelings, and I think he says, "Um, it wasn't her strength, um, like it was your weakness or something." So it almost sounds like a different spin on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um. Right. And then, Alleluia, Kirsty. <laughs> so I think we've got to the end of that. Thank you for putting up with that. I know it's a really difficult thing to discuss when we have so little information and so much of it is, well, it could be this, but it could <laughs> be this and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. But yeah, like you say, there's so little to go on that the possibilities are kind of endless at this point. Precisely. Um, right, then the next thing I'd like to talk about is that we've got some really cool new character images. There are obviously loads and loads of new character images. So I just picked out a few ones that particularly struck me. Um, and the first one is one of Luke on a Hungarian magazine cover. And it's in one of the costumes we haven't seen much of. Like, I think it's the costume making stars called his trash bag outfit. Yeah, and I've seen this on a Topps trading card since this magazine cover came out as well. Oh, nice. I love the outfit. I think it's great. I think it's really, really cool. And I think the trash bag de- um, description is very appropriate. <laughs> it kind of looks like he's raided Kylo's wardrobe. Yeah, no, that's what lots of people have said to me, actually. He really does seem like a parallel to Kylo here, mm-hmm. which is really cool that they're driving home that comparison. Um, I've also seen people speculate that because of the way he has like that upper layer wrapped around his shoulders like that, they almost wonder if the costume Kylo was wearing in The Force Awakens was like his costume from when he was an acolyte of Luke because if this is like an old 
costume of Luke's Jedi Order, then that would be a really interesting idea that this is like his old Jedi Master costume. And Mm. what we saw Kylo in before was his old Jedi Apprentice costume. I've seen people speculating about that for a long time because I think in the visual dictionary it said something about his cowl being singed. And obviously Mm. we we know the temple was burned. So some people theorized that he was wearing that when it all happened. Mm. God, it would stink. (laughs) I'm sure it does anyway. I'm sure all of these characters smell terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's good it's not smell-o-vision, isn't it? (laughs) They'll destroy some of the illusion. Um, But yeah, no, I I really like the image of Luke. And his expression's really cool. He's got the eyes of a fanatic, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm totally projecting. (laughs) He looks very intense. Yeah. Whatever the reason is, he's... uh... Wrestling with some demons. Yeah, and he's got his fists clenched, like very yeah. angry. He's not going to be in a good state of mind at the beginning of the film, I don't think. Nope. Then what we also had was a bunch of cutouts from a company that runs a business just selling life-size cutouts of movie characters. Are these the kind of thing they're going to have like in the cinemas, or is it just like for personal... <laughs> People are just buying them and having them at like parties and stuff. <laughs> well, that's the thing that it looks like anyone can buy them. It's not like it's only like people in this cinema industry can buy them. Yeah. So, like, if you or I wanted a life size Kylo Ren in our room, we could go to that site right now and buy it. Well, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I picked out the Kylo and Leia images because I thought they were particularly cool. Um, great looks at the costumes. Yeah, um, I love Leia's outfit. Leia's outfit is really cool. I think it's like the best look we've had at it yet. And Mm -hmm. it's just such a great dress. And like the way that overcoat hangs and it looks like bat's wings. And Mm. it's just really awesome. And her hair's amazing and everything's so cool. And then we have a picture of Luke, which is actually really interesting to me as like a counterpoint to the image of Luke on the Hungarian magazine cover. Mm. Because on the magazine cover, Luke actually looks a bit scary but in this image, like from the like cutouts, he does just look like a teacher. Yeah. It's like, come on, class, let's all sit down <laughs> and focus. Yeah, with his arms folded like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He looks like he's about to whip out a cane, like if any of the students threatened to misbehave. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, like, did you see anything else that stood out to you among the standees or anything, Kirsty? Um. No, I don't think so. They're just a great look at the costumes, aren't they? Because sometimes yeah. the images have been, depending on the angle or whatever, a lot of them have been quite bad quality when we first see them because they're leaks and whatever. Um, yeah. But these are really great. Like I feel like they're going to be helpful for cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I think I have talked a lot. So would you perhaps like to talk a bit about Leia, Princess of Alderaan? Sure. I, I'm really... I. I'm worried about spoiling it for people, so I'm going to try and speak as generically as I can. Yeah, and as I said before, do. I haven't finished. I'm only about halfway through, but I'm really enjoying it, and I can't. I kind of can't wait for us to finish podcasting so I can get back to it. Oh, um, I knew I was going to enjoy it because I love Claudia's writing. I've loved all, you know, I've loved the books that she's written for Star Wars before, and I've read some of her non-Star Wars stuff as well. And I just think she nails Leia's voice and characterization. Um, it's such a pleasure to read. And yeah. it's it's just lovely to see young Leia as well because 
we've talked about this before when we've done character dissections, but um, you know, when you meet Leia in A New Hope, she's kind of already past the point that Luke's still struggling with. He's still kind of a a child or like a teenager mentally, whereas she's already got to this point where she knows what she's about. Um, so it's kind of nice to have this as a companion to Luke's journey, um, mm-hmm. where she's still figuring out like who she is as a person and what she cares about and how she can contribute to the rebellion. Um, so it's, it's really cool to get this kind of impression of her childhood and her relationship with her parents. Um, they're awesome. I love them as characters. Um, but it's so nice to actually read about Brea as like a oh, yeah. character in her own right. Like, what's it she really like? is. What kind of personality is she? Um, it's so interesting because because she's queen, she has to have these different personas, right? So you kind of mm-hmm. get these dual impressions of her through Leia's eyes as like a very dignified, um, glamorous, beautiful queen who always says the right thing and is very composed. And then when her and Leia are having private conversations, you can see that her and Bale are so worried about Leia because they're getting involved with the rebellion and initially trying to keep it secret from her because they don't want her to have information that the Empire could torture out of her if, you know, yeah. they find out what's going on. Um, yeah. So your heart just kind of breaks for them. For the, they love her so much and want to protect her, um, but they're really conflicted because they have this incredibly important undertaking um, that they've decided to be a part of this rebellion against the empire which must just be so frightening yeah um, that so. Is so interesting i'm really really happy that that angle on the story is finally being explored yeah it's just it's really lovely to see that mother-daughter relationship because we are so starved of that in star wars um i'm hoping that we'll get more of it if people respond really well to this mm-hmm. so i really appreciate it um and yeah just in general you get all of this you know, much richer description and understanding of Alderaan and its culture and the people there. And um, like Leia has friends who are, you know, obviously from the planet. And it just kind of, again, makes you so sad for what happens. Um, yeah. I guess the same way that Lost Stars did from a slightly different perspective. So, yeah. And we've, we'd heard that this tied in really well to The Last Jedi and I kind of, I was kind of speculating on how that might be before I started reading, um, mm-hmm. and it turns out the two things I was thinking were going to be in there are in there. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, so that's really cool. I'm really enjoying those elements of it, and I feel like it really is going to enrich our understanding of the Last Jedi. But also, it's all going to be like window dressing stuff. So it's great that we can have that if we're super interested in it. But hopefully, it's done in a way that the general audience doesn't miss out on things. Um, in terms of the characters and locations that are introduced. So it's kind of an interesting balancing act that they have to do that with the books, right? Mm. Yeah, no, that is, it sounds so, so interesting. I'm so looking forward to reading it. Like I'm going to be going into Waterstones every day <laughs> looking yes. out for it. It's kind of funny that we're both reading the different books right now because it means that we can't have a proper conversation. But hopefully by next week, we'll both have at least read one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hoping I can finish Leia today and then I'll get started on Phasma as soon as possible because nice. that sounds really interesting in its own way as well. Yeah, I think what we should do once we've both read both books, we should have like a spotlight where yeah. we discuss them both in depth because that would be really cool um, and I, I know I want to have that conversation. Um, like, don't worry if you don't want to talk about it, so it might be too um, spoilery, um, but is there like 
reference like Padme? Like, do Bale and Brea talk to Leia about her birth mother and like that kind of thing? Does that come into it at all? Um, they haven't so far, but there mm. are some references to Naboo. Right. Um, so it's kind of more from a Palpatine angle, but yeah, I'll have to let you know like once I've read more of it. But yeah, definitely. I would love it if that is the case. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool. And is there any sense that part of their fear for her is because they obviously know she's like the child of this forbidden and like controversial relationship and that she's in real danger of like Vader finds her and obviously recognises her as his daughter? There haven't been any references to Vader so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm I'm only halfway through. It's more about the, the Empire under Palpatine's power. Um yeah. But yeah, they're so concerned for her because even if she doesn't have like information in terms of what's going on, um, if they find out that Bale and Brea are, are being like they're formative in the rebellion, then of course they're going to come after Leia as well. So and she's so young. Yeah. So it's pretty frightening. Yeah, they're so interesting. Ah, can't wait. For it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just love that these two books. I mean. I'm hearing lots of good things about Phasma 2, and obviously yeah. we'll talk about it more in a second, but I just love that these two books have been released that are about female characters related to the sequel trilogy. Oh. Yeah. No, it's so cool. Um, and it really emphasises that that's a genuine commitment for them, and that they're interested in telling these stories, which is really cool. Um, right, then I guess we can probably move on to talk about Phasma a little. Mm-hmm. Like Kirsty said, she hasn't read phasma yet but um i'm gosh i'm really quite early in i'm like a few chapters in but mm-hmm. there's still enough to give me a feel for it and i'm gonna read more tonight because like kirsty i can't wait to go back to it and read more <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i've heard tidbits about it so I'm, I'm i'm terrible at just avoiding things if i know i'm gonna read them like i have to still keep up with what people are saying about it so <laughs> yes. not in terms of too much spoilery but like the little snippets that people have shared about hooks and stuff like that uh, yeah, and we talked before about the fact that it's not actually from Phasma's perspective. It's from mm. this cardinal character, and then this resistance person that he takes and interrogates for information mm. about Phasma. Yeah. Um. How are you liking that as kind of a device for the story? Well, actually, <laughs> it's even like a strength for a weakness, depending on your point of view. Because I'm kind of feeling that the frame story about Cardinal and the Resistance fighter who he's interrogating. I feel that that story is actually more interesting than the story about Phasma that the Resistance person is telling. Mm. Um, like, it's, like, it's fine. It's still very compelling because I want to keep on reading to find out all the new developments. And I've just reached a point in the story. It's not a spoiler to say this is part of the preview that was released like they released um a section of it in usa today or something and it's a section where brendel hux crash lands on phasma's planet and he basically starts to recruit her so i've got to that bit and i can tell that that is the point at which phasma's story in its own right becomes more interesting right um but yeah as characters cardinal and the resistance person they're much more interesting though i should really be able to remember the resistance person's name <laughs> isn't it like um v or vi or something yeah you're right it's v i think yeah okay. yeah that okay so this is what i'd heard from a, several different people that they're more compelling than phasma herself and that kind yeah, of true. 
It kind of concerns me a little bit because that's the title of the novel. <laughs> um, it would be like reading the Leia book and it not be really being about Leia. <laughs> yeah. It's... I think part of the problem is also because Phasma is such a thinly sketched character in The Force Awakens to the point of being non-existent, really, is that it's hard to buy that that character in that movie is the same character who we're now getting all this rich backstory for. Mm. We're learning about who her relations are and like what's important to her and what her beliefs are. Because... She just seems like a clumsy idiot, you know, in the Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, so I okay, so I'd heard that uh, it's kind of trying to address why she does things like just lower the shields for Finn, even though she's supposed to be loyal to the First Order. So apparently, the idea is that she's this ruthless villain who is only ever looking out for herself and actually has no loyalty to the First Order. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. It, it, I guess it's very interesting. That surprises me because you've got this character who is arguably responsible for instilling this fierce sense of loyalty in the stormtroopers that she controls, but mm. actually has none herself. Yes. No, that in itself is quite an interesting angle. I haven't really got to the point in the book where that becomes like a big part of it. So far, she's been very self-serving. So she will like turn on a dime and she will betray people who used to be her allies because she doesn't think it's in her interests. So she's shown to be very ruthless. But I guess it's hard to see how that corresponds to what happened in The Force Awakens because that didn't feel like ruthlessness, it just felt like cowardice. Mm. And a big point in this novel is that Phasma's so brave and Phasma's so strong and Phasma can do freaking anything. And yeah, like that's where it's kind of not work quite working for me. Like I said, it's very compelling as a book in its own right. It's just when I step back and I think about how it works alongside The Force Awakens that I struggle with it a bit more. I think it will also be really interesting to see it in connection with this, co- with this comic book series about Phasma that's coming out because that happens immediately mm. after The Force Awakens and it like shows how she escapes from the trash compactor, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um, so... That should be interesting because if they really do want to tie this novel into the Phasma of The Force Awakens and use it as a way to justify her actions and explain them, then I think this comic book is going to have a really big role to play in that. Yeah, and I'm guessing it ties into the characterization that Ryan has created for The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. So we'll see elements of that ruthlessness kind of come together and see, you know, when she does things like attacks the resistance that we saw in the behind the scenes footage and that. Yeah. How how is that playing into this overall picture and how does that factor into Finn's arc? Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, other things to mention, uh, Cardinal is from Jakku. Um and he has a big chip on his shoulder <laughs> about this. It comes up very early, so again I don't really consider it a spoiler. Um and yeah, it's just interesting to me. So the planet keeps on coming up again and again. Like they're not letting us forget Jakku. Mm-hmm. Um, so there have actually been a few murmurs that we might return to Jakku in Episode Nine. Yeah, and I do think that this kind of stuff, when it keeps on cropping up again in the EU, it does lend more credibility to that because I think if the planet were to stay firmly in the past for this new saga, then I'm not sure why it would keep on being referenced and brought up as a thing yeah empire's end really made me wonder if they were gonna have it play a larger part and in, in mm. the trilogy than just the place where ray happened to come from yeah. um 
And I guess that kind of mirrors the original trilogy with them going back to Tatooine. But it would just yeah. obviously be for quite a different reason. Exactly. I hope if they do do that, like if they go back to Jakku in episode 9, they really find a way to make it distinctive. Mm. Because I really don't want to see like just a repeat of the Jabba's Palace sequence, however fun that was. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a way to kind of have that ring theory mirroring thing going on, but the actual reasons and the plot there would be very different. So yeah. it's more related to this kind of... I mean, there's all this stuff about like the observatory and, you know, like it ties in with Thrawn as well. So they're doing a good job of connecting all this stuff in the EU. It just remains to be seen how it's actually going to tie into the films if it does. Yeah. And how that would impact Ray's story, if that's what if that's where it's all going. Like why yeah. she was left there and stuff like that. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, and then another thing that comes up is that there are lots of Huxes involved. It actually gets quite confusing because Brendel Hux and his son Armitage they're both quite important characters. <laughs> Sometimes they'll be referring to General Hux and I'm like which one? <laughs> I, I think that's meant to be the point. I think we are meant to like question Ooh, which Hux is in control at this point in the story. Hmm. Like that's a, like a level of intrigue to the plot. So obviously I won't go into that in any depth. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. And you do get a sense of the father-son relationship. Like, which is very intriguing. Because before we only had a very vague idea of that. And that was from when... Armitage was like five years old and because mm. he is a young man in this book it's a very different vibe to it and you get a sense of how things have progressed from the point at which they were left in Empire's End so that's quite intriguing. So what's the time frame of this book does it jump from Phasma's childhood to like just before The Force Awakens or something? It starts off when she's like in her god late teens I think like late okay. teens early 20s so like a young woman she's not a child um, and I think at one point it says that she and Hux are similar age. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Um, and I think the present of the book is perhaps a few years before The Force Awakens. It might be even closer than that, like a year before The Force Awakens or something. But right. we know it's relatively close because Kylo is part of the First Order at the point of the book's present. Right. Because he's not a character in the book, but he is referenced. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like someone I think on Reddit had put together like the implications of Phasma because there is some really intriguing stuff there about the development of the First Order. But I want to read the book myself and get like my own feel for that before I start trying to understand it and what it might mean. Right. I should probably stop asking you questions because I'm going to read it myself. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. It's, it's interesting. There's so much in it. And what I wanted from this book was lots of stuff about the structure and the background of the First Order. Mm. And I feel like I'm getting that. So I definitely feel like I'm getting value for money. Yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like that relationship between the Huxes is almost critical to its formation. And at some yeah. point, Brendel Hux presumably dies. But it's just interesting to see, like, if the book answers the question of when and how that happens, or if that's no left for another time. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> or if it's like, yeah, this is, I have no clue, so this is just me spitballing, but, like, yeah, presumably he's not alive still in The Force Awakens, right? So... No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that basically is a big 
thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, so I'm just going to shut up there. Yeah, I'm um, to see what happens. Um, yeah, and then just in terms of other things, um, there's one last book I'd like to mention, which is Star Wars Made Easy. Mm. Um, and this is a book that basically explains Star Wars to people who know nothing about Star Wars. I so might buy this. Yeah, it does seem really interesting, actually. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to read it from the perspective of someone who has watched all of the films and read quite a lot of the books, but see, like, to see the emphasis they're putting on certain things or like what they're kind of telling people is important to know. I just feel like that would be interesting. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, it's like there's this picture we have of a page about Kylo, for example, and there's some really interesting stuff there. Um, because like there's all these different headings and they're explaining his story. Like the headings are, why does he call himself Kylo Ren? So he doesn't get on with mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't go over mom. Yikes! Who trained him to use the Force? <laughs> and then the final heading: Will he come good in the end, though? Um, and that is so interesting because that's not necessarily like a question raised by the film itself. Like, or at least for many viewers, that wasn't a question raised by The Force Awakens because they just saw this dude kill his dad and their question at that point wasn't, oh, I wonder if he'll be redeemed after this. It was, what awful punishment is this monster <laughs> going to suffer? Do you know what I mean? It's... I feel like the film did raise this question. Yeah, but I guess I'm trying to put myself in the perspective of like a really casual viewer, like the kind of person who this might be aimed at. Yeah. You know, so I think this is trying to like steer their thoughts in that direction when they probably weren't in that direction to begin with yeah i mean as far as i'm concerned with villains if you raise the question of redemption it's happening because yeah. um you know with characters like palpatine and jabba you never ask are these characters going to be redeemed because they never once show any kind of conflict or doubt like there's there's not even the door isn't mildly open Whereas for yeah. Kylo, it's almost a defining part of his character and the discourse in fandom, will he or won't he? Um, if you're asking the question, it means that he's going to on some level. We just don't exactly know how yet. Yeah. So that to me, the fact that they're even asking the question to me is a an indication. Yeah. Like, I'll just read it out quickly, the relevant section. So, will he come good in the end, though? Well, he hasn't done so far. Is a hard road back to the light side when you've killed your dad and one of the Star Wars saga's biggest heroes. But if he really idolises his gramps, let's hope he knows that even Vader renounced his dark side in the end and Vader let the Death Star destroy an entire planet. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> did you know great. that Darth Vader did these really terrible things and he was redeemed? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like pointing out the obvious but in a really pointed way. Yeah. So I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, because that's a, a part of the debate that fans have about Kylo versus Vader, right? Some people don't even think that Vader was redeemed, that he just had this yeah. like one moment that was arguably motivated by self-interest, that it was like his son involved um, and that he wanted to overthrow Palpatine because that's what Sith do. Um, yeah. But... I feel like Star Wars canon is very explicit in the fact that he was redeemed. Yes. So, obviously, everything is always open to each individual fan's interpretation. That's just what fiction is. But, mm. um, yeah, I feel like these are a little hints. Definitely. Um, and to me, this also raises the question of what, what he does know about Vader's redemption. I'm aware of that part in the novelization 
where like he and Snoke are discussing it and like Snoke has spun like Vader's redemption as like his biggest moment of failure. Like so Kylo was clearly aware of it in that telling of the story. Mm. But I think if Ryan did want to do it differently and have it so that Kylo wasn't aware of Vader's redemption at the end, then I think he could very easily override that because I yeah. don't think Pablo and the story group are going to say to him, oh no, um, Alan Dean Foster in the <laughs> Star Wars Force Awakens novelization said this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's the kind of thing that maybe some fans would have trouble with because it wouldn't be quite consistent, but they would probably just expect you to let it go in yeah. terms of like, the goals of the greater story. And at the end of the day, like we said before, lots and lots of people who watch the film won't have read that book, so if they want to bring references to Vader back into The Last Jedi, that's a good way to do it, right? Raise the question of whether Kylo is aware of what actually happened to Vader. Yeah. Or if he even knows anything about who Anakin was as a person and that he fell in love with Padme and that was the reason that he was tempted by the dark side. It was out of love as opposed yeah. to him being genuinely convinced that the Empire was right and good. Yeah, exactly. It would be really interesting. Um. Yeah, and didn't you say there's also something about Rose having a tragic childhood in that book? Yeah, I saw a photo of it yesterday, um, and I can't find it now, but I think it did mention that Rose had had a tragic childhood, and we've been speculating before that the First Order had maybe destroyed her home, and that was why she joined the Resistance, and yeah. that's such a personal investment. Um, yeah. So yeah, that all kind of fits together. So. I think there was something similar about that on the databank for Rose. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so um, I definitely think that's the direction they're going going in with her. I think it's a useful shorthand to like get the audience on board of her motivation and to give her a really like solid reason for why she's doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, um, right, then the next thing to talk about is that we have an interview with Mark Hamill speaking to the Associated Press where he talks about Luke's part in The Last Jedi. Um would you be okay to read this out, Kirsty? I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Thanks. So, Associated Press, do you ever reflect on how much your life changed by a simple audition for a funny-sounding science fiction adventure more than four decades ago? Hamill. The thing is, they got it down to two sets of three. I didn't know this, by the way. This is really interesting. Oh, um, cool. A Han, a Luke, and a Leia. There were three other actors, and then Carrie, Harrison, and myself, and there was never a mix or a match. You go with one team or another. It's just weird. I did a TV series called The Texas Wheelers, which I thought at the time was really groundbreaking. We got cancelled so quickly, but if that had been a success, I wouldn't have been able to do Star Wars. Fate is a funny thing. Who knew? AP. After all these years, how did it feel to be Luke again? A thing that felt maybe wrong about coming back was the fact that the original trilogy had a beginning, a middle, and an end. But there's two ways of looking at that. On the one hand, it had closure... But if you look at it another way, it's the story of how Luke went from becoming a farm boy to a Jedi, and then the story ends. It would be like telling the story of how James Bond got his license to kill and became 007, and then the story ends. <laughs> so you had some hesitation. When they asked me to come back, it was scary. I thought, gee, it was hard to catch lightning in a bottle the first time. I don't know if this is such a wise idea. When we left, even if they were going to do a third trilogy, it wouldn't have anything to do with us. George never said you're going to do three more. He did mention maybe coming back and doing a cameo and handing Excalibur to the next Young Hope. This is back when we were doing the first one, and I thought, what is this supposed to be? Did this feel like a different Luke to you? It sounds as though this is a darker version of the character that may be unfamiliar to fans and even to you. Absolutely. 
Luke changed, I think, more than the other characters in the original trilogy, from callow farm boy to a Jedi in training to finally a Jedi master. What you're talking about is what really fascinated me. Between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, there's just decades of history that's unknown. So I was wondering how they're going to handle all this. Now, obviously, with Force Awakens, J.J. had a full plate. It was inevitable that they would push me down the line. I was sorry I wasn't able to work with any of the original actors again. But it's not about us anymore. In this new one, I was saying to Ryan Johnson, I need to know my backstory. It was kind of unclear. You read where he is now and what he's doing now and sort of have to fill in the blanks for yourself. So I did do a backstory myself. It's not about Luke anymore, so it's not really important. But I had to make sense of it for myself. What Ryan came up with, I was stunned. Does it feel different to be putting out a Star Wars movie without Carrie Fisher, who died in December, and Harrison Ford, who exited with Force Awakens? It is different. She was irreplaceable. There can never be a proper reunion anymore. It's tragic. I hate that it adds an air of melancholy to the film because it doesn't deserve it. I know for a fact she would obviously want us to be having fun. She was all about laughter and enjoying the moment. We're all sort of having this communal period of grief. In a way, it sort of reflects the movies themselves, which were about triumphs and tragedies. They are about a family, a dysfunctional family, but a family nonetheless. I thought he was so great in this interview. It was fantastic. He said such interesting and insightful things. It was yeah. really great. I loved it. Yeah. I think it's perhaps the best interview Mark has given about The Last Jedi so far. Because I felt like he was being more open here than he has been previously. Mm. Like at events like Celebration and D23, he was obviously just doing like the party line, as you would in those like settings. But he's just really like getting to the meat of it here, which is so cool. Yeah, I think it's very different because they're just people, right? When they're doing an interview in front of a crowd, it has a different feel as opposed to talking one on one with someone. Yeah. And it just feels like he's being more candid and kind of more reflective of how things have gone with the whole franchise because he would never have expected this from first making that new, that first film. Like, you just no. couldn't imagine where it might go. So Exactly. This is like a true life-changing experience. And you can't anticipate something like that. You can't like, pre- imagine that that's going to happen to you. Mm. Um, yeah, I know some people saw this and thought it was Mark indicating that Luke and Leia won't be reunited in The Last Jedi. But to be honest, reading through it again, I don't think that is what he's saying. I think when he talks about there not being a reunion in The Force Awakens, I think he's firmly talking in the context of that film. And then when he talks later, I think he means more in the sense that there won't be a reunion between all three of them, like Mark, Carrie, and Harrison. Right. Um, like I think he's talked about that before as well, that he was kind of disappointed that JJ went in that direction with the story even though he understands why no definitely um and again he like reiterates like what Kathleen Kennedy stopped him from saying at a celebration <laughs> um that the story isn't really about Luke anymore so that is not like we can expect to see a great deal about Luke's backstory because that's not the emphasis of the story um that is super interesting to me though because we've already seen like a flashback to something that we probably all imagined was part of Luke's backstory, like the burning of the temple. Um, and yeah, like just these comments, they make me think, well, based on this, is it more because it's important to Kylo's backstory than Luke's? Is that really going to be like the ultimate goal of seeing this stuff? That's because... what I've always thought about that, because obviously Luke is important and they're talking about the relationship that Luke and Kylo had, but 
that's in terms of Luke's history, that's pretty recent. That's only in the last couple of years. So I think when Mark's talking about Luke's backstory or the lack thereof, they're talking about the fact that in The Last Jedi, they're not going to be talking about everything that happened after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That's going to be saved for future content, which I can completely understand that lots of people were very interested in, but it's all about how this story serves the new characters of Rey, Kylo, and Finn. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that all makes sense to me. And yeah, I, definitely. You know, when he said that at the celebration and Kathy like, kind of stepped in and was like, oh, of course he's important, it did feel a bit like damage control because... He's going to be important in the story, but he's not the protagonist anymore. Like, that's just yeah. the reality. So, Exactly. And I think Mark's fully aware of that and trying to prepare people for it. Because I've seen so many people, like pundits and commentators, like saying that Luke is the main thing they're excited for in The Last Jedi. And I totally understand that. So I think there is obviously a big nostalgic pull with these movies. That's a big part of them. But at the same time, I really think you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment if you're going with that mindset, because you need to be prepared to focus on the stories of these new characters rather than the story of Luke Skywalker, because he is going to be in like a supporting role. But yeah, like I'm sure there'll be like enough badass Luke to satisfy those people, you know, it won't be like they'll come out and be like, oh, I'm so disappointed. So it's definitely not going to be a Force Awakens situation where <laughs> Luke literally has no lines. <laughs> yeah, and I understand why people would be more interested in seeing him now, especially because of what happened with the Force Awakens, right? It kind of built, yeah, up, sure. built up the tension. People want to see how he is going to play a part. And and lots of people have secondary or minor characters as their favourites, and they go in and don't expect them to be the main event. It's just, oh, that's personally what I'm most excited to see. So. Yeah, no, sure. I think as long as there's like realistic expectations, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Then the next story is that there has been talk of Paul Bettany coming into the Han Solo movie. And basically it seems pretty confirmed that Paul Bettany has been cast in the Han Solo movie. But the question mark is over whether he's perhaps replacing Michael K. Williams in that film. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to read the Hollywood Reporter account of this. And it goes, Paul Bettany has joined the new Han Solo film. On Friday, director Ron Howard revealed the news, sharing a picture of Bettany on the set of the Star Wars standalone. The outer rim just got a little bit wilder. Hashtag Paul Bettany. Hashtag False Friday. Howard wrote, Soon after, the director confirmed Bettany is in the film. Writing of his A Beautiful Mind and The Da Vinci Code actor, it's my third opportunity to work with Paul. He's a blast and so talented. The first post caught fire with fans, and before Howard confirmed the casting, Twitter users quickly began asking Howard if it meant Bettany was in the upcoming film. The movie will make May 2018 quite a month for Bettany. In addition to the Han Solo movie, Avengers Infinity War opens that month, and audiences will see him once again play Vision. Bettany's casting comes two weeks after the production lost Michael K. Williams, as his schedule could not accommodate the extensive reshoots Howard has been overseeing. So yeah, basically there's no direct confirmation that he's replacing Williams, but it kind of feels like a logical inference. What do you think, Kirsty? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm going to wait and see there. Because it's, yeah. it's really hard to tell, right? Because we don't have an awful lot of information on the kind of character that he was playing, aside from him saying that he was like half alien, half human, or half animal. Yeah, um, that's a good point, actually, because... Paul Bettany, obviously we only like saw his head basically in the picture, but he definitely didn't look like he was playing some kind of like human animal hybrid. Right. So 
I don't know. We'll see. I've seen people jumping to the conclusion that he is replacing him and then having concerns about whitewashing because that's obviously a big deal in Hollywood. Um, yeah. I don't think it's quite the same as how whitewashing is generally perceived with if a role has been intended for a person of color and originally written that way and then yes. it's cast as a white person. But I don't know. Um, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of murky ground. So I guess it's at the forefront of everyone's minds at the moment because there was that whole situation with um, the Hellboy reboot mm. where Ed Screen had been cast as this like supporting character. Um, and then there's a huge backlash because in the comic books, that character is half Asian. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, like casting like a white dude in that role is inappropriate. And like the actor, he did a really, really amazing thing by actually backing out of the part and releasing a statement explaining that he did it because he wanted to give like an actor of Asian descent the opportunity to take on that role, mm-hmm. which is a really like brave gesture. Um, so yeah, when that's like hot in the minds of people, I think it's natural that if there is even the suggestion that Michael K. Williams had to leave the production and then he's been replaced by Paul Bethany, who's perhaps the whitest of all white people. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that as somebody who loves Paul Bethany, he's a great actor. But yeah, I can see what's raising questions, but you're right in that I expect this character was probably cast completely neutrally it's not like he's a character who's from a comic or from another source it's a character who was written purely for this film and they just wanted to cast the right actor for the part and obviously michael k williams unfortunately couldn't do the role anymore and if paul bettany is playing that same role which again is a huge if we really don't know then he's another great actor who they presumably felt could fill that part just as well yeah it's complicated because it it does mean if he is taking that role again like you say we don't know um then it does affect the overall level of diversity of the film um but i don't it's hard to say because the reports that came out after michael k williams left said that the role had just been written out so maybe that is still the case and maybe paul bettany is playing someone totally different so yeah or it could be that maybe they wrote out like that character, the character to be played by Michael K. Williams, but they kind of created a new character to approximately fulfill the same function. Right. Because if it's like a whole character being written out, he presumably had something significant or important to do that m- moved the plot forward. Right. So you'd imagine that there'd have to be someone else there to do that same thing. Mm-hmm. So this might be how they're dealing with that. Yeah, for sure. So we'll just have to watch the space. Exactly. Right. The next story is that Empire Magazine has promised coverage of The Last Jedi soon. Um, and that really should be imminent probably tomorrow, maybe the day after tomorrow. But yeah, really soon. So this is what they say. Episode 8 gets the full Empire cover treatment this month with a magical holographic sheen and an epic eight-page feed feature inside to boot. This month's cover is entirely holographic, making it an instant collector's edition. (laughs) So cynical. (laughs) We've given the image a bit of a sheen here to give you an idea, but trust us, nothing quite beats seeing this cover in real life. It is, to paraphrase an old Jedi, a more elegant cover for a more civilised age. Subscribers will receive their copies in the next few days, while the regular newsstand edition, also holographic yet to be revealed, goes on sale Thursday 7th of September. 
and just for anyone who hasn't seen it the subscriber cover is really cool it's just a shot of two hands a mechanical hand and then ray's hand holding the lightsaber passing it to luke yeah it's beautiful and yeah it's just a stunning image so yeah it's not too much to say yet because we obviously haven't seen what the coverage is it's very exciting though it was yeah. a, bit of a surprise so oh really yeah, i was I actually expecting it well, I think it would get one at some point, but I wasn't expecting to, for it to be announced on Force Friday. Yeah, well, I knew it was imminent because um, the Star Wars coverage for the new movies has always been the October issue of Empire Magazine. All oh, right, I'm not as on top and... of that kind of thing as you are. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm just so impatient for new information. <laughs> so I was like, oh, come on, there's got to be something. And yeah, the something is apparently the Empire coverage. Yeah, I think it, they have um... to give us something new, right? So we've had... Vanity Fair, we've had Entertainment Weekly, so presumably the stuff that they give us isn't just going to be redundant stuff that we already know. Yeah, exactly. I'd expect at least new interviews and new photos, mm. but we'll have to see. I'm trying my best to expectation manage, <laughs> <laughs> which can be hard. Yeah, exciting, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about it next time. Mm-hmm. Right, and then the final thing to talk about is that we have... Is it the second trailer or the first trailer for Rebels I think it's the second. I'm pretty sure they showed something at Celebration. Ah, okay. Thank you for correcting that. Sorry, I noticed my notes had changed. (laughs) Sorry. I thought, I bet that's because I got it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Which would make complete sense. And I'm pretty sure you are right now I think about it. So I remember those like wolves being brought up at Celebration and everyone getting really excited. Yeah, there was that whole Ahsoka's a wolf thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I didn't watch Rebels, and even I was aware of that. So that's how big it became. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've both watched the trailer. Obviously, it meant a lot more to Kirsty than it did to me because she's all up to speed of the show. Um, but yeah, like from my perspective of ignorance, there was lots of exciting stuff going on. Like, it's not the kind of thing that makes me want to watch the show, to be completely honest, because yeah, the show's just coming to an end and. Yeah, I just still don't feel that Paul. But I can totally understand why fans would see this trailer and get really excited because like, even as someone in my position, I can tell that all the different threads are coming together and that they're really building things towards a climax. So yeah, like I really hope that it satisfies the fans and that it resolves the story in an interesting, um, worthwhile way. Um, but yeah, you take the floor, Kirsty. What did you think about the trailer? I th- it got me really excited because I feel like this has the potential to be my favorite Rebels season, which oh, nice. probably makes sense because, like you say, it is tying things together and everything is coming to a head and it's just coming up to the timeline of Rogue One and A New Hope, which is super mm-hmm. exciting. Um, but I just thought the trailer was so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, what were your favorite parts? Um, I think I'm going to be most interested in the subplot with Sabine kind of leading the Mandalorians, just because that is so cool. I'm, she's my favourite character, and I just love that yeah. she's kicking ass there. Uh, that was actually one of my... That was actually something that I left with, questioning after seeing the trailer. Like, is Sabine even going to be in the season much? Because she seemed to feature so little in the trailer. Well, yeah, that's what I'm wondering about, because in last season, with the whole, like, Darksaber thing and her training with Kane, like, I, I, there was just a lot of, like how is this going to factor into the overall story? Because it's almost like they're sidelining her because that stuff is so far removed from the main rebellion. Yeah. So it it remains to be seen. I'm interested to see how they do it. But like you say, she was just in it for a second and that's her focus. 
Um, mm. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, like she she has a few episodes where she takes the center stage, but obviously Ezra is the protagonist, and then you have Kanan and Hera playing larger parts too. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of have to deal with the fact that my favorite character is a secondary character. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah. I always... well, hopefully, in a way, it's good because it means that it's not like her storyline will get overshadowed by Ezra's because they have very separate storylines where they're both yeah. doing their own things. But yeah, and even though that stuff's going to be my favorite, that's the part that I'm most excited to see. I'm also really loving the interactions between Kanan and Hera that they showed. Uh, yeah, because. While I personally, I'm not involved in the ship in terms of like the fan content, I have loved seeing their dynamic unfold in the story, um, and I'm I'm really excited on Shipper's behalf to see how that is resolved. Uh, yeah. Whether it's like tragic or optimistic, like obviously these characters love each other very much, um, and they're being more and more open about that with the story. So it's coming to a head in in one way or another. So the romance lover in me is happy about that. Yeah. It's cool to see them being so front and centre with it. They're clearly not trying to hide that there's a love story between those characters. They're actually making it a selling point, which feels quite refreshing for Star Wars. Yeah, I guess, because in recent years, they have kind of shied away from the romance, like with the new stuff, right? Because Rogue One, yes, lots of people ship Jin and Cassian, but it was very subtle. And arguably, yes. you can say it's not there at all if you don't want to see it. Um, <laughs> obviously in the force awakens there was no overt romance either so yeah it's kind of nice to have this in rebels because we haven't had much apart from in the books um and i just love that dialogue like i wish i could see you you could always see me oh yeah it's really I mean, sweet yeah hopefully it represents a watershed moment <laughs> yeah the other thing i really liked was that you saw tarkin referencing krennic and stardust like We've had elements of them tying in Rogue One before, but it's just cool to get more of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I might be in the minority here, but I really love that Stardust was kind of the code name that Galen used because it was the whole connection with him and Jin. Um, it's the, also the name for a great Neil Gaiman novel. Right. <laughs> and it's that, that, what's that movie? Is it Stardust? The one with like Claire Danes? Yeah, that's based on the Neil Gaiman novel. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I was talking about it on Twitter and people thought that's what I was talking about. I was like, nothing <laughs> to the Rebels trailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Stardust is really great, though. I want to watch that movie again. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm doing it. Like, <laughs> I'm enabling that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the glimpses of Saw that we got? They were really cool, and I definitely feel that um, Forrest Whitaker has stepped up his voice acting game. Yeah, Rebels. I, I was like, really impressed. Yeah, like it felt like there was much more like emotional investment in what he was saying, because I didn't watch the episodes, but from like the trailers I saw it, like I heard saw dialogue for Rebels season three, and I didn't really buy it. It felt like something he rushed in an afternoon. But mm. here it felt like he was actually acting. Yeah. And I could buy it as the same character from the movie Rogue One. So that was really cool. Yeah. And I really love that it's expanding on this idea that they kind of established in Rogue One. But because, again, he was like a secondary character, it wasn't like a main event. But this um, diverging of ideals and beliefs between him and Mon Mothma. So you had her talking about how he was too much of a radical and an extremist. Um, and now you're kind of seeing the other side of the coin where he's talking about, well, you can keep 
you can keep running Mon Mothma's errands or you can actually do something that has an impact. So it's yeah. so interesting to see these different camps on the side of resistance against the Empire, um, but having very different ideas of how to do that appropriately. So Definitely. Very cool. But yeah, overall, even though you could see like they had this very hopeful and inspiring dialogue um, during the trailer, I feel like it did kind of have an ominous feel to the end, which I suppose, again, mm. makes sense um, because everything is coming to a head and... Oh, I feel like there's going to be some pain because yeah. realistically, like Ezra and Kanan can't really survive into the events of A New Hope. Yes. Um, so it kind of undermines it really, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it would. So if they did that, it's hard because I I don't want the characters to die in terms of I know that Rebels fans are very attached to them and would be very upset, but it's kind mm. of inevitable in a way. Yeah interesting to see how they do it yeah and i guess because it's also a kid show yeah so you've got to handle stuff like that with supreme sensitivity if you're going to be killing off your like lead heroes yeah I mean, <laughs> it's, like... it's possible that they kind of leave it open-ended and then you're just left with the assumption that uh, between the events something mm-hmm. happens to them mm-hmm. they might isn't that like what happened to ahsoka really yeah which i didn't love it's it's hard because adults watch this show, but kids do too. But then kids watch the movies, and people die in them as well. So, yeah, hmm. I guess they can't be insulated from everything. Yeah, guess we'll see. Oh, yeah, no, we totally will. Um, I think that's it with the stars news. But I think I remember you said that you wanted to briefly talk about the um, Game of Thrones finale. Oh yeah, God, that feels like so long yeah. ago now. I know, right? It feels like in another lifetime, but. <laughs> Yes, I guess spoilers for the Game of Thrones finale, but everyone should have watched it by now, so I don't feel very guilty. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. Oh, I loved it. it. Was I so it was really good. Mm-hmm. What was your favourite part? Uh, oh, it's so hard. It is. I feel like my answer is going to be really obvious. Well, okay, my answer is probably the same as yours, because yes. yeah, we are both fans of romance and love in in fantasy mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool to see how they ended up executing the whole generis thing and tying it back into the reveal even though fans obviously knew where it was going with john's targaryen status um yeah but kind of having that interwoven with bran narrating and then seeing um john's parents getting married i thought that was really well done yeah i thought it was really beautiful um and like just when I step back from it, I'm always reminded that um, the fact that they make you look at this scene where an aunt and a nephew are having sex, <laughs> and instead of being repelled, you're like, "Oh, this is so romantic, and I'm so happy for them. This is great." Yeah, it's kind <laughs> like, of a... that is like a testament to how well done it is. It's a funny evolution and contrast with season one, isn't it, with Cersei and Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, like, but I also like that. Um, with that scene, they also have that very like foreboding moment where like Tyrion is like watching the door, which is also a bit creepy and pervy of him. Um, but yeah, like for me, that is like a signal that okay, it's all romantic and lovely right now, but things are probably going to get a bit fucked <laughs> later on. Oh yeah, for sure. It's Game of Thrones. Something horrible's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's just it does that thing where it's lovely and romantic, but it doesn't let you enjoy that without like some kind of like warning that is not going to last mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah for sure and i feel like they're kind of hinting that 
Daenerys is going to get pregnant and then I don't know, it's going to have all these sorts of implications for what happens with the Iron Throne, right? Because yeah. as Bran was saying, like, Jon now has as much right to claim it as Daenerys does. If exactly. maybe more, I don't, I don't really know how all that works. I'm not an expert in mm. the political systems in Game of Thrones, mm. but... Um, he does have a better claim to the throne than Daenerys because I think that Rhaegar's father like died before Rhaegar died. Mm. So like Rhaegar was like the official like ruler like for a brief time, even though he didn't have a coronation or anything. So that meant that his children were next in line to succession. Right. Um, before his hit before his own siblings. So, yeah, any of Rhaegar's children, they all have a better claim than Daenerys, especially Jon, because he's a boy. Right. Yeah, sexism. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just interested to see how this all plays out in the end, because if it it ends up with Jon being on the Iron Throne, and, like, Mm. Daenerys dies, or however that happens, I don't know how it's going to sit with me, because it'll be like she and her dragons put him there. You know? Yeah. Mm. We'll see. Yeah, I think the last season is going to be amazing. There's so much potential for incredible drama. Yeah. Like, based on all the setup that we now have, um, which is really exciting. Um, What was I going to say? Yes, I think with the whole John and Daenerys thing, the thing is that Daenerys has struggled for so, so long. And all the way along that journey, she struggled with this, like, absolute rock-solid conviction that she is the rightful queen of Westeros. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and then to find out that no, actually, your nephew, who you've been sleeping with, he is the rightful heir to West- Westeros, and he has a superior claim to you. Like, what would that do to you, and what would that do to your feelings for that person? It's it's going to be so interesting. Yeah, Daenerys has been put through. I mean, all the female characters have. Let's be real. I mean, we haven't even touched on Sansa and Arya yet. Um, yeah. There's just been so much suffering. And yes, John has been through the ringer too in his own way, but I don't think it has a patch on Daenerys, honestly. Like no. everything that she struggled with, like with her brother and with Khal Drogo, and ugh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And on the subject of Sansa and Arya, like there were parts of that storyline I really liked, but overall it was much weaker to me than the other stuff. Yeah, it was okay. So we talked about it not on the show, obviously, but just like personally. Um, this whole idea, it was tropey as hell, right, to have these two sisters squabbling this way and kind of pitting mm. them against each other. And it really had this inevitably predictable outcome because the only way it could almost redeem itself was if it turned out that they were really teaming up to take down Littlefinger together. Yeah, So it was, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> so it was like satisfying on one level, but also like, oh, yeah, of course, that's the way they had to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the whole problem with that is that it didn't feel earned. It didn't feel particularly clever. Like, if anything, it just felt quite clumsy. Mm. Like, there wasn't great execution. And I think that's partially because of, like, time. You could always tell that that was, like, an afterthought for the showrunners. So it's kind of like, well, we need to give these characters a storyline as well. But mm, it's less interesting. Yeah. I mean, the whole season, I felt like Littlefinger was a dead man walking. Yes. You know, he'd really run out of his look and everyone everyone was calling him out. They'd realised what yeah. he was up to. Um, so, yeah, it was satisfying exactly. on one level. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it was really great to see him die and, like, begging for his life. 
Yeah, um, that was a great performance, by the way. That was one of the oh, best yeah. performances of the episode. Definitely. Just seeing that man fall apart, it was so rewarding. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah I, I'm very mixed on how I feel about that whole storyline because yeah. I just, I'm very, very protective of Sansa and mm. of Arya like, saying these things to her, knowing what she's been through. It was yeah. hard. Yeah, and it felt so fake. It's like, no, of course she shouldn't have to feel bad for that. She was a child. Yeah. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. And, oh, it just made me angry. Yeah, just kind of the way Arya's been characterised, almost from season one, really, is this, like, tomboy who's like, I'm not like other girls. Um, I I do feel like they've had some development now because of how they've shown her teaming up with Sansa and, and how, at the end of the episode, it was that they had reached this kind of understanding that yes, we're different, but we are sisters and love each other still. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see where they go from now with Arya because for such a long time, she was characterized like that, that she had this bitterness and this chip on her shoulder. Um, mm. So yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens now. Exactly. Like, like I'm really curious to see what they do with those characters. Um, I hope they live, but I'm not going to get attached to that idea because you can't get attached to anyone living in Game <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, right, I think that is probably a good point to end things. Okay. I'm Rachel, and you can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Stars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!